0: We use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first.
1: Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously.
0: This is why I love doing this, Sully.
1: This movie?
0: No. Every movie we grab, we have expectations. You look at it and you're like, here's going to be a movie about some kids in the woods Playing with a Ouija board and unleashing ancient evil, right? That
1: is what I thought.
0: And what I love is that it's always a surprise. You think you're going to see something, and there's always something different. I mean, maybe you've got the gist right, but there's some big surprise in there. Whether it's good or bad, who knows, but it's going to be interesting, right?
1: For varying definitions of interesting, yes. Yes. Well, And trust me, as a Minnesotan, I can use interesting <laughs> in a multitude of ways.
0: Here's the thing.
1: So what's the surprising thing about Ouija Seance, the final game?
0: Well, solely Ouija Seance, the final game. When you watch the trailer, or at least you watch the first half of the trailer and didn't pay any attention to the second half, so maybe this was all in there. I don't know. <laughs> you think... Here's a bunch of kids going to the woods to play with a Ouija board to unleash ancient evil. Exactly what I'm looking for. Kids in the woods being stupid and getting killed. Yep. And then you watch it. And you know what you find, Soli? Tell us. The most Italian movie ever made.
1: (laughs) This was a very Italian movie. Except that none of them were speaking Italian. No. None of the main
0: characters, certainly. Yes.
1: It was all in English. But... Everything about it from the, like, almost black and white
0: appearance of
1: many of the scenes.
0: Yes, I was going to discuss that.
1: To the, like, odd dialogue that's not quite (laughs) fluent in English. To the way the story was put together. Everything was very Italian.
0: As our listeners may recall, in the 50s or sometime in the past, there were these things called spaghetti westerns. And they were American westerns. But they were made in Italy by Italians. And it was a very common thing. And the style of these movies involved poorly grammarified Englishes and just like the whole thing of people who didn't speak the language trying to make a movie in the language. And it's weird. And yet it was very common. Today, we have a spaghetti horror movie, apparently, dripping with marinara.
1: Dripping. Wow. You're like waxing quite poetic today. It's this
0: movie was miraculous. <laughs> wow. I did not. Here's the thing is, I was looking for that movie about American kids in the woods. Uh-huh. And when the movie started, I'm like, oh, it's in Italy. That's weird. But okay, they're still they're gonna go into the Italian woods and get murdered. And that's what we got. At first, like it made sense. They were going together. They hung out and partied at this abandoned house in the woods. Totally cool. They got their se- the Ouija board to have a crazy séance and cause problems. All good. Even even the trope of the creepy old man warning them away from the terrors and in having only one eye yeah. and his other eyes all yeah. ruined. I mean, this is classic. And then still I was feeling you know it's weird it's clearly done by Italians like things are off here this is not normal but they're doing this kind of movie and then like three quarters of the way through it just jumped the track completely and was like crazy Italian horror black and white Hitchcock murder screaming what was happening it was a whole new thing
1: it was very. It was almost operatic at times. Like yes. not that I mean it wasn't singing or anything, but it was so melodramatic. It, yeah. And you know I don't know a lot about Italian films. I know zero. I can tell <laughs> <laughs> by how sure you are of all of these things that you're saying. <laughs> no, I know. I know nothing about um, Italian films, but this. Also, I see the connection you're making to like the spaghetti westerns, although I, I don't know that I've ever actually seen an entire spaghetti western.
0: I don't think I have.
1: Um, they're just part of the, you know, culture. So I've heard yes. of them. I like, sort of know of them. But it also had that very 1940s kind of melodrama to the horror. Like yeah. when you said Hitchcock. It suddenly like it registered. It mm-hmm. feels like Dial M for Murder, or yeah. you know, one of those Rear Window, like one of those big emotion, big drama horror. Yeah. movies.
0: there was one scene that I actually thought was really well done when Guillaume goes to murder Barbara and he comes at her swinging like this fire poker, and it's very Hitchcock. It's almost totally black and white, and. It kind of shows him swinging the poker in the air. Mm-hmm. And then you see like the shadow of him and Barbara on the wall as she, you know, collapses under these blows. And it's Right. Like, and ve-
1: very early on, she falls down and it yeah. doesn't... Like the camera doesn't follow. Like we don't look at her on the ground. Yeah, We're still implied. across the room watching him sm- oh, smash at the ground with his we shovel. We left
0: out the music, which is all a part of this. There was... Some crazy music going on <laughs> to really blow up this melodrama.
1: Well, it was again very early black and white movie sort of style yeah. where something would happen and like there'd be a big like punch of violins or something uh-huh. like, like very abruptly Do-do. and then it would go away. Yeah. Like as a door opened or as a corner was turned <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it was definitely using that abrupt musical changes to, to evoke fear or startlement at least. Startlement. Certainly. Startlement.
0: Plus they had an outdoor bathtub.
1: <laughs> they did have an outdoor bathtub. It worked well for creating the setting, and it would have been fine just with that, but it, it also ended up being like part of the pivotal scene.
0: Yeah. It was it was a big deal. Although it didn't actually matter that there was a bathtub, but it was No, there. but it was yeah. there. It
1: was in it. And and it was, you know, I don't know, it 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 added to the drama of that scene. So we have Sarah, her roommate Barbara, Barbara's boyfriend Guillaume, mm-hmm. and another fellow named Rico, <laughs> who really wants to be Sarah's boyfriend, and Sarah is definitely holding him at arm's length. Yeah. And the four of them, well, Guillaume is from Bel is supposed to be Belgian. I think the other three are all supposed to be American students studying in Italy.
0: Barbara, definitely not. She is British. She has a British accent, although on her IMDb page, we see that she starred exclusively in Italian movies. So maybe she's doing a British accent.
1: So here's the thing. These are all what appear to be... Primarily Italian actors and actresses who are all playing students from other countries who are studying in Italy.
0: Yeah, I think Sarah was legit American, but I don't know.
1: And that piece of it, along with what you were talking about before, where it has that whole sense of oddity because it's somebody, it's it's people from one culture trying to write a story about people from another culture. All of that... It was, it was odd for me, but mostly because I kept watching it and thinking, is this what it feels like to watch an American made, Caucasian made film about, you know, something else? Like we have all of these, you know, Japanese horror style films that are not (laughs) Japanese. So then if you're used to watching Japanese horror because it's your culture, and then you watch this American made one, do you have that same sense of like, yeah. Oh, this is close, but no.
0: Well, but the tricky part about that is the weirdest thing about this movie is that these people are speaking English and the script was written in I mean, I don't know if it's written in English, but I like assume it. so. And it's not quite right. Whereas right. in your example, I think the movie would have to be in Japanese. Like the Americans would have to be trying to write something in Japanese.
1: Right. Well, in that example, yes. But also, I mean, it's that whole, it's really the idea of what I'm getting at is really the idea of own voices. Like, is that what it feels like, you know, as an African American watching a film about African American something, you know, something that happened in history or whatever, but that was written entirely by white people? Or, you know, something about Hispanic Americans, but it's written entirely by white people. I bet there's a lot of movies like that. It's that sense. Or even something like a movie or or a story about someone with a disability written entirely by people without experience with disabilities. Like, Mm -hmm. it's that sense that you can research and study something as much as you want. But if you don't have personal experience with it, if you haven't like lived in it, you're gonna miss out on the nuances. And the, like the yes. the storyline, the script was so close. Like even the <laughs> parts where I'm like, ooh, that's not right. I don't know that I could put my finger on exactly what was not right. For example, once things started to go bad, particularly the guys, uh Rico and Guillaume, started using so much profanity. <laughs> so much. And I am a fan of profanity. Like, it's not that it was bothering me that they were doing it. But as they were using it, I'm like, but that's not quite right. Like, that's it's not, it's how not would wrong. It. But that's not how it would roll off the tongue for uh-huh. a native speaker. It's not exactly the right word that I would choose. Or it's not the tone I would use or the yeah. the inflection I would use. It was so close, but yet jarring to the ear
0: it felt to me like the language kind of fell apart like the first half or more of the movie i didn't really know anything was wrong other than that these people had accents but then towards the end of the movie everybody was speaking in almost broken english like they were saying things kind of wrong like some of their sentences were just straight up grammatically incorrect. Not as bad as, for example, Anna, made by (laughs) white Americans, as far as I can tell, (laughs) who just didn't know English. Just
1: don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was much better than that. I don't know that I felt that strongly about it falling apart, or I didn't notice it that much. But I did notice, particularly when there were like turns of phrase or you know, those like cliches that people use, they would be just a little bit off. It's possible that as the emotional intensity of the acting, like, Ooh, picked it, up. It
0: picked up a lot. <laughs>
1: that, that the attention they could put on, you know, having their American accents or their English accents be correct was lessened because they were focusing yeah. more on getting the emotional impact correct. Although I'm going to say, regardless of what culture this movie was <laughs> made in, the emotional acting was questionable.
0: Some had a lot of a lot of emotions.
1: The one that I particularly am thinking of is Sarah as like she's being attacked and oh no, when she finds out that Guillaume has killed Barbara, she comes in and Rico's like holding her back and she's screaming about it, like she's yeah. shouting all of these things, but she's doing it in the breathiest way. Like <laughs> I don't know how she was able to continue, how she was able to maintain the yelling that she was doing. Because you could tell, ta- like, I've, I I, did theater in high school. Like, that's my <laughs> level of inexpertise, right? And I knew better than to be using my voice the way she was using her voice.
0: Yeah, it seemed harmful to her continued employment in the acting industry. Right?
1: right? Yeah, it was problematic. But it was very consistent. When she was really upset, that's how she shouted. Yeah. It was very strange. I mean, maybe that's how she shouts in real life. And then I worry that she's going to get like vocal cord nodules or something. (laughs) Yeah, it could be. That does happen to actors. Story-wise, how did you feel about this story? Um, Okay, let me ask you this. What happened in this story?
0: (laughs) What happened in this story? A report by Mike Hommel. (laughs) There were these four college kids who were supposed to go to a party, and for bureaucratic reasons, they had to go to the one girl's grandma's house first, because the house had been willed to her. She had to leave some papers there because she was trying to sell the house. It was a for complicated demolition. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rang true to me. This I've heard about this stuff in Mexico, and I feel like I've probably heard about it in Italy, this the bureaucracy and palm greasing involved in actually getting you know any kind of bureaucratic transaction done mm. and how it's complicated. And there's all these forms you don't understand which one to do. And mm-hmm. she ran into that. So...
1: I mean, I feel like that's true in America too.
0: Yeah. But there's a certain <laughs> kind of, I don't know, underground nature yeah. to how it works yeah. in other where places. It's,
1: where it's intentionally designed so that you will have to bribe somebody into helping you through the process
0: yeah something like that so they go to this house and turns out the party gets called off so they're like well let's just stay here and hang out and have fun and part of the fun is going into the secret room upstairs that they conveniently discover
1: and we're told by the creepy creepy caretaker to avoid at all costs yeah
0: but in italian so they didn't know because none of them speak italian that's for (laughs) sure And in the secret room, they found potion ingredients and things. So clearly, crazy witch lady must have been this grandma. And they found a Ouija board carved out of a tree. It was kind of cool.
1: So interesting thing, I made the connection between the Italian Ouija board being different from the Ouija board we're used to, the same way that like Italian cards are different. (laughs) And like... Your sister always wants us to play that Italian card game, and I have the hardest time because the suits are different.
0: Yeah, it's and that's a pain.
1: And well, and they count differently. Like threes are higher than anything else, and I don't even know. Like there's all these unusual rules. But I felt the same way about the Ouija board. I'm like, that's not what a Ouija board looks <laughs> like, and now I don't know how to use it.
0: That's a real Ouija board that a witch uses for evil. What we have is just a game. A
1: game for evil children. Yes. <laughs> okay. So they found it. They find it.
0: And I might have drifted off at various points during this. So <laughs> let me give you the gist. They play around with the Ouija board and nothing really happens. I don't know. It doesn't
1: seem like it. Except then Guillaume is definitely possessed. Right away? Well, I mean, like the next scene is like he, he starts getting very volatile and hmm. like extra aggressive right, right away. I think. Yeah,
0: I feel like I didn't pay super close attention.
1: I mean, he was pretty aggressive and jerky to begin with. But
0: Yeah, he had some... Boy, there was some relationship problems there. Yeah. So the Ouija board basically didn't really do much. But Sarah, the main character, hangs out with the creepy old man, learns some things about her witch grandma. She gets a necklace, whatever. She's hanging out back with her friends. Power goes out. And Guillaume murders Barbara because he claims that he didn't – oh, I had a whole idea about this. But anyway, that she, like, comes in the room while it's dark and he doesn't know what's going on. And so he beats her to death because he's like, could have been anybody. Might as well.
1: And then when they catch him, they come in and they see him and he's like – I just wanted to leave. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) no, that's not going to work. That's not a good enough
0: argument. I mean, he did make the argument also (laughs) that it was dark. He couldn't see who it was. Yeah. But it was all a lie because he was actually possessed and being Mm -hmm. evil. And the evil was tricky. It was kind of cool that the evil was like trying to sneakily get work its way through all this. Mm -hmm. So anyway, he did that. They tie him up. He ends up getting out and stabbing rico who's the guy who tied him up and they were alone together and somehow that makes the possession go into rico and and
1: guillaume ends up in the bathtub in the yard guillaume's dead somehow from that and then rico goes up to protect sarah in the secret room while the caretaker goes to do something
0: Goes to go after Guillaume, who oh, didn't right. know was Oh, right. Because Rico
1: comes up and he's like, looks like he's been stabbed and whatnot. And so the caretaker goes away, leaves Sarah in the protection of Rico, who is, of course, now possessed and tries to kill Sarah. She does a lot of breathy screaming.
0: Yeah, she does. I mean, some really intense screaming.
1: Yeah. And throughout all of this, like, possession piece, Sarah keeps having these visions of her oh, mother yeah. jumping visions. out the window of, like, her nursery when she was three years old. Because mm-hmm. this is a thing that happened. Only it keeps, like, flashing to this, like, very white, like, like. The Matrix. room. Yes, the Matrix. And this is where this is happening. And so do, okay.
0: Rico goes bad, tries to kill Sarah, and she stops him she kills him.
1: He stabs her, she pulls the knife out. She's like, "She my mother wasn't worthless and neither am I." And then she yeah. stabs Rico and they both die.
0: And in the process, a painting was uncovered of her mom. Cuz why not? I mean, that means something.
1: So, what the creepy caretaker explained or somehow what I was what I got from all of this was that Sarah's grandmother was cursed.
0: Yeah, this is a question.
1: Okay, Sarah's grandmother was cursed. The curse placed on her was that her daughter was going to die.
0: Yeah, I've heard that.
1: So somehow, Sarah's grandmother is upset about this and decides to curse her daughter with the same curse that she's cursed with, so that her daughter's daughter will also die. Only to
0: avoid that, her mother jumps out a window... Thus, causing herself to be dead, which is what the grammar's issue was, right. and saving herself from having her daughter get dead, I guess.
1: Except not because her daughter gets stabbed at approximately approximately the same age her mother was mm. when she died.
0: But she didn't die, or she became evil ghost monster in the.
1: Oh right! I totally hospital. forgot that there's the end scene where she's in the hospital, so she didn't die. No even though she dramatically died and then she wasn't <laughs> dead but yes she opens her eyes and i think there were some like clouds or smoke or something in her eyes so we were supposed to know that she was evil but i only truly knew because the subtitles said there was like a sigh or something or a growl and it the subtitles said shadow growls that's the only reason i knew <laughs> That the, you know, possession shadow thing was still there.
0: Yes. The monster or whatever was called the shadow the whole time, which it was never anything we saw. It would just jumped between different people.
1: She was supposed to face the shadow. Yes. Which, I mean, metaphorically works because she was facing the shadow of her mother's death. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things, you know, I think a lot of people when they reach the point, the age where their parent died, that's a difficult point to get through, right? So you know I could see that even before she knew this was a thing, like this curse was a thing that that there was there would be some sort of shadow over her that you know she needed to get through this this period in her life when her mother had died. I, I don't know though. like the whole curse thing felt very circular in a way that didn't really make sense. like that Sarah's mom got cursed. For something that hadn't happened yet. And I, I don't know. I, I missed out on what exactly was yeah, going on. Yeah, I think
0: there. I feel like I didn't follow that. And that's possibly it was explained well. And I just didn't get it. But it's because here's the thing the reason I was tuning out of this movie is that we've talked before many times about slow movies. Mm-hmm. But those kind of slow movies are different than this kind of slow movie. Those kind of slow movies, like we are still here, the beginning half of it or so, is slow in the sense that it lingers on shots of creepy things and it kind of sets a tone and moves along slowly and really you it washes over you. This was slow, like blah like nothing happens. These people are just driving along to the house and they're having stupid conversation you don't care about, and they're just and
1: you're yelling at each other ugh. for no reason.
0: Yeah, it's just slow. It
1: w- Yeah, it was like it's supposed to be a horror movie. And instead it was like watching four strangers go on vacation for the weekend.
0: And stop to pee by the side of the road.
1: On a really boring vacation <laughs> yeah. at a house with nothing to do. And yeah. so they spend a lot of time complaining about how there's nothing to do and then drinking because that's the only thing for them to do. They
0: did do a lot of that, which is funny because you think about uh, murder party. Which was kind of the same. A bunch of people in a warehouse get together and do some drugs, but they had a wacky, crazy conversation. These people were just like,
1: eh. Because in that movie, the conversation, like you said it in that review, the conversation was the action. Yeah. Like it was fast paced, it was captivating, like like you were listening to things and putting the pieces together. And in this movie, that conversation was basically there to show how bored they all were. But then <laughs> yeah. like, then it's just conversation that is also boring me. And then mm-hmm. why did you put it in your movie? Yeah. So I don't know. Although I did have one line that I really liked. Oh,
0: I wrote down one line.
1: Let's I liked see. Rico at one point. I don't remember why. Like, I don't remember where it is in the process. But at one point, Rico, I think possessed Rico, says... That darling man wants to kill me. Yes.
0: That was an example of exactly yes. what you were talking about.
1: Like, what? An American darling?
0: would not have said that. <laughs> no. Someone who understood the language well would not have said that darling man wants to kill me.
1: No. So I want to clarify that this movie is was made in 2018. If this movie were made in like 1948, (laughs) maybe I could see some character saying something about that darling man. Like, it's a very old-fashioned way of speaking. In 2018, no (laughs) 20-something male would use the phrase that darling man for any reason.
0: About the guy who's trying to kill him. (laughs) Like (laughs) He's he's a cute guy, but come on, he's killing me.
1: (laughs) We do not have, we don't use the word darling ironically anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's it.
1: (laughs) What was your favorite line?
0: Well, I don't know if it was my favorite. Oh, no, actually, I do know my favorite line. But first, let me tell you the line I wrote down, which is, the only thing that scares me is stupid people, Guillaume. (laughs) That's funny okay but my favorite line was not actually a line it was when sarah was like i don't want to go i think it was go to the party and barbara comes up behind her and goes meow
1: (laughs) meow
0: and she's like oh all right i'll do it
1: see i kind of liked that because it was one of those like weird friendship things like
0: like what we do
1: yes like you know there's that weird thing that your friend does that makes you like forgive them and, you know, makes you stop being mad and cranky and whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. But yeah, it was... I thought it was funny, too. It was unexpected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, Italians don't know that Americans don't meow. (laughs) They hear us talk and they're like, that's the same thing my cat says.
1: After they found the Ouija board, one of them, I think it was Sarah, said, you know, she, she, she all of a sudden is very upset. And she's saying, we woke something terrible. And she Uh tells them, I believe what I see. But at that point, nothing bad had happened. (laughs) Nothing. They had not seen anything. And I was so confused as to why she had had this turn in her approach and her attitude. Because there was no reason for it.
0: Well, and that's what puts you in this weird position of... We see weirdness about this movie and we think, "Oh, it's they're not working in their native language, so it's weird." But a line like that, you got to wonder or is it just a terrible script? Right? <laughs> like that doesn't make sense whatever your language is.
1: Right. Right. So, there hmm. there were I think I think there were plot holes that would have been even more obvious if it was a film style that we were more familiar with. Yeah, probably so. Ouija Seance, the final game. It was definitely a surprise. I told you it was. It was unexpected and sort of in an entertaining way, sort (laughs) of in the the way that kept me going, wait, what did he just say? (laughs) What just happened? How is this going? So at the beginning, I was a little more engaged in it. I was like trying to figure out what was going on. And I think... As things ramped up and as the story, the plot was supposed to, you know, tension building and, you know, more and more drama, I think I sort of realized that there wasn't anything to figure out. Like, it (laughs) wasn't that I wasn't paying attention. It wasn't that I didn't understand what they were trying to say. It just wasn't there. And so I think I got fatigued and I just sort of got tired of trying to figure it out when there was nothing there to figure out. You know, and I was kind of tired anyway, but I think even in the really, like, major climax points of the movie, I was sort of half paying attention. I just didn't care. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe that's why I don't understand the explanation of what was going on, because I they had lost me to the point where I didn't hear all the important pieces, but... Yeah, they had lost me long before they started to actually explain anything. I don't know. It was it was a quirky little movie. I don't know that I would suggest anybody watch it. It wasn't quirky enough for that unless yeah. you particularly like the idea of a spaghetti horror film. Like, <laughs> I mean, if, if spaghetti westerns are your thing or you're really into Italian films or whatever and you want to see what this is like, maybe. But mostly there's not much here for a recommending i don't think maybe if you really like old-fashioned horror films like black and white style hitchcock style maybe but i really like hitchcock movies and this didn't wasn't enough like that for me to like it so i'm going to give this movie one broken bottle of chianti out of five
0: when that happened i thought about making that the unit of measurement yeah huh yeah, just one. Just one. My experience with this movie, was the surprise of it, was so jolting. <laughs> when when it, pretty much at the point where Guillaume kills Barbara. Like, from that point on, I would, if, it, if that had been the movie, if it had been all black and white, lightning striking, orchestral hits, <laughs> Hitchcock murders. Mm-hmm and screaming and melodrama, I would have been locked in for the whole movie. Like that's that's entertainment. That was off the wall insanity. And that was fun, but that was only at the end after a whole lot of really boring stuff yeah. <laughs> that I did not want to sit through. So for me, I'll give it two broken bottles of Chianti out of 5 for that for that ending period which I'm not saying it's a good movie at that point. It's more, it's the same kind of fun I get out of a terrible movie. Yeah. In that I'm enjoying how insane it all is. Yeah. And I don't think it was terrible. It was pretty well done for what it was, you know, to make this kind of throwback to old Italian cinema. I don't know if that was their intent, but that's what (laughs) was happening.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it was pretty well done. It just, ugh. It was such a slog in the first like two thirds or so yes. that I was done. I was checked out by the time the interesting stuff happened.
0: I was too, except it kind of perked me up. Now, one thought I'd like to leave our listeners with is that this woman's grandmother was named Teresa. Yes. Her house was named Via Teresa. So it's was like, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it was her house. That <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> just as I live in Chateau Mikey, that makes
1: sense. <laughs> is that what we, is that what this is called?
0: <laughs> I mean, I guess she wasn't married because that seems unfair. Like, to, how about the Teresa and Bob? That'd be a little more
1: appropriate. I mean, I didn't see lots of evidence of a Bob hanging around. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to head out to the living room of Chateau Mikey to uh, watch our next movie.
0: Ooh, I'm excited for that. Americans, don't meow.
1: Meow. 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 Meow.
0: Ugh.